This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. The video asked us a question. It begins by asserting that there are people all around us that are in need of hope. But the question is, are you the one that they're reaching out to? And are you reaching out to them? You can see that we're beginning a a sermon series on our new mission statement. It's entitled, Our Church, Our Mission. And behind me you can see that beautiful picture of the globe with Alaska. And it says that our mission is to bring Christ's hope healing and wholeness to our community and to our world. And so today our focus is on hope. Now I don't have to tell you that the world is in desperate need of hope. And people are searching. People all around us are looking. And they're trying to find hope in something. But you and I as followers of Christ Jesus... We have a hope, a hope that can't be found in anyone else or in anything else. It's a hope that comes from God. It's a hope that's made possible through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a hope that's certain. It's a hope that's sure. Uh, It's a hope that we can count on. Uh, It's not hope in the sense of, well, I hope this will happen. It's hope in the sense of, I know it will happen because it's based on God's promises. And God who promises is faithful. And so our hope is anchored in our God through His Son, Jesus Christ that we can stand in the world of uncertainty. We can stand in a world that is broken. We can stand in a world that is crying out and looking for hope. And we can proclaim that God is hope. And that hope comes through relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. And oh, there's so much more. I want to show you uh, some pictures want to start with um, a photograph of two rocks. Let's look at the first one. Uh, you can see that rock. Uh, that's known as Mile High Rock. Uh, David Willey um, took that photo, a member of our congregation. He normally comes to the second service. And he was on a hike at Mile High uh, Saddle, and he was looking off in the distance, and he sees a rock. And, and he can see there's some writing on it. Then there's another picture. And you can see there another rock. There's writing on that as well. Now, people, if you will, are all around us. And as we are on our journey, as as we're going about the business of our life, they can be a lot like these two rocks. We can kind of see them off at a distance, and if we take the time to look, Uh, there's something that's written on their countenance. Uh, 
Um, people speak without saying words. And, and if we take the time, and if we get close enough to really look, then we can really see what's going on in their lives. Kind of like these rocks. David saw them from a distance. He, he, he saw that there was something on them, but the question was, was he going to get closer? Was he going to take the time? Uh, was he going to divert his hike and, and, and really take a look and see what was written on the rocks? And you know, the same is true with people. Uh, are we going to stop? Are we going to take notice? Are we going to take the time to, to really look at what's going on in somebody's life? Um, to, to look at their countenance, to, to observe what's going on and ask that question. And it doesn't have to be someone from a distance. It can be someone in a chair right next to you on Sunday morning, okay? But as you get closer, things become clearer. And let's look at the first thing written on the rock. False hope in my past. You know, the world is full of false hope, isn't it? Full of false hope. It's all around us. And in our brokenness and in our desperation, the false hope cries out to us, here, grab onto me. Here, grab onto me. And we grab on with the expectation that somehow things will be different. Somehow the, the hope that we're grabbing onto will, will add to the buoyancy of our life, only to find out that that hope is false. And so the, the first thing you see on the rock is false hope in my past. But let's look closer. The next slide. My will outside of God. And so whoever this person is, they were aware that, that they had been grasping onto things that were false hope. And they have some orientation towards God. They're, they're a spiritual person. And they're recognizing that they have been living their life outside of God. Are you getting a picture of what's going on in this person's life? Are you getting a picture of the, the cry for, for hope, real hope? Next, next photo. Insecurity. You see, reaching out and grasping on to, to false hope. Living our lives outside of, of God, a relationship with God. Asserting our will over God's will. What does it result in? It results in insecurity, doesn't it? Because we know. We know that we're, we're grasping, we're trying to hold on to something, then in reality it's going to fail us. That the hope it offers is at best temporary. It's fleeting. And we live in that constant state of insecurity, grabbing on to one thing until it fails us, then grabbing on to the next thing until it fails us. And on and on it goes. So the false hope, the living life outside of the will of God, trying to do the best we can on our own, and our own plans, and our own strength. There's an insecurity, and that insecurity ultimately results in a, in a desperation. Let's look at the next one. Broken from relationships. 
we reach out and we grab on to people and our hope can be in relationships and, and there are relationships that we need to be a part of. And that's an important thing. But ultimately, if you're in relationship long enough, those relationships are going to result in someone or something disappointing you. And there's going to be brokenness in relationship. I don't have to tell you that. That we're all broken. And in our brokenness and in our relationships, we hurt each other. We disappoint each other. We let one another down. And so while we want to be in good relationships, ultimately, relationships are going to fail us. And, and there's going to be brokenness in relationships. And if my hope is in a person or in a thing other than God and the hope that He offers, I'm going to experience disappointment. I'm going to experience brokenness. Relationships are filled with brokenness because we're broken as we enter into relationship, aren't we? And then we see these next words that are written on the rock. My stress and past relationships with my dad, relationships with friends, etc. Then it continues. I cut myself a lot. Okay? Behavior that is self-destructive. In pain, creating more pain. And you, you see the, the pathway? You see what's happening here? Each thing you read on the rock seems like it gets more desperate. There's deeper and deeper pain. There's a greater sense of hopelessness as you read. And then finally, this slide here. I tried to commit suicide. Now when you think about this person, you ask yourself, who is this person? Who is this person that would express themselves in, in such a way on a couple of rocks at Mile High Saddle? Well, it could be the person sitting next to you in church today. It could be the person in your neighborhood. It could be a person in, the, in your workplace. There's a possibility that, that one of you may know this person, but you don't know that this is what's going on in their life. Do you see that? And as you read the progression of the things they've written on these two rocks, you get a sense of, don't you, kind of increasing hopelessness and despair? I mean, how are you feeling as we're going through this together? Is it emoting something? Maybe perhaps you're identifying with, with some of what this person's experience is. But then let's look at this next slide. In the midst of the hopelessness, in the midst of the sense of failed relationship, of brokenness, of false hope, of asserting their will, trying to live life their own way, in the midst of, of all that this person has been expressing, now they write these words. Can you see them? I want to dedicate 
myself to God. Because there is hope. There's hope there. But here's the question. Is this person reaching out to you and me? Are persons like them reaching out to you and me? Because it's one thing to to come to the conclusion, I I, I need to dedicate myself to God. And and God hears the cries of our heart. Actually, this, this person is in a better place than someone who's living false hope and in their self-sufficiency thinks that they're doing okay. In their brokenness, this person has come to the conclusion that they need a hope that's certain. They need a hope that's sure. They need to live differently and they're reaching out to the One who can make a difference in their life. They're, making out, they're reaching out to the One who can bring hope, who can bring healing, and can bring wholeness. But here's the question. Are we getting close enough to people? Have we set aside our agenda for God's agenda? Because God is a God of hope. He's a God of healing. He's a God of wholeness. And the truth is this, that God wants us, those whom He has filled with that hope, He wants us to be the dispensers of that hope. He wants us to get close enough to people's lives that that we can see these things. And we can really have a sense of what's going on. So that as the video asks, if people are reaching out to us, that we would reach out to them with the only hope that is certain, the only hope that is sure, Here's a quote I want to share with you. Human beings can live 40 days without food, four days without water, and four minutes without air. But we cannot live four seconds without hope. And here's the good news for you and for me. That the Lord intends that we be filled with that hope And that that hope be dispensed from us. That our lives would be about something than just living for ourselves. That we would have a sense that as we are a community of Christ followers living life together with Christ in the center, that we have a purpose. That we are a community on mission together. That God is sending us to this place and from this place that we might be the ones to share hope with those who are in desperate need. Those who have come to the realization that the world offers false hope, but they're wanting a sure and certain hope. Romans 15.13 says this. Paul writes, May the God of hope, the God of hope, who's the source of hope? God. He is the God of hope. He is the God of hope that is certain. The God of hope that is sure. The God of hope that we can depend on. May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. Those words, joy and peace, they give us a hint to what is to follow. Joy and peace are fruit of God's Spirit. God's Spirit that He has placed in our hearts and our lives so that you may overflow with hope and that the joy and the peace that we have that, that doesn't make sense to those who don't know God. When everything around us seems uncertain, there's a certainty about us. Our countenance is different. We have something to hold on to that is, that is certain, that is sure, something that is truly buoyant, that can lift our spirit even in the most difficult times. And that hope overflows. It overflows. And as it overflows, we become hope dispensers by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you and me. Now, notice I didn't say our lives are perfect. Notice I didn't say that you aren't experiencing difficulty or trials or adversity or challenges, maybe at home in relationships, maybe in the workplace with employment, maybe health issues. I don't know what they are, but I I, I know that we all have them, don't we? And yet the hope of God is greater than those things. It transcends those things because God is greater than those things. Now, what is this hope? I mean, where's the starting place? Where does it begin? Well, well, Peter gives us instruction. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into what? A living hope. A living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Next slide. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you and for me. This inheritance that will never spoil or fade. The Lord preserves it for us, in us. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And so what is this great hope? It's that we have been given new life. That we have been born again. We've been given a new birth through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have been forgiven of our sins. We have been given new life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if any person be in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation, right? 
Behold, old things are passing away. All things are becoming new. And so that life is transforming us more and more and more into the character and the nature of the One whom we worship, our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have relationship with God. That broken relationship has been, what? Restored. And that relationship is eternal. That you and I have an inheritance. We have the promise of new life and eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that no matter what else is going on in our lives, no matter what else is going on in the world, this is sure, this is certain, this we can count on. And that we don't have to live life in our own reserve, in our own strength, in our own power. It's a life that comes from the life of God that's poured out into us through the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? That's something to be hopeful about, isn't it? Now, it's interesting. How, how is this guaranteed? Well, it's guaranteed by the Word of God. And not only this, it, it isn't dependent on us being able to hold on to God, but the Scripture tells us that it's He who holds on to us. That that is reserved and preserved in us through the power of His Holy Spirit. That Jesus Christ is the One who is the Good Shepherd. And we are the sheep of His flock. And John writes, speaking of Jesus, no one, right? No one can snatch us out of His hand. That's the Shepherd's Word to you and me. You see that? Is that reason for hope? Wow, that's good stuff. That is good stuff. But but here's the deal. If we're going to dispense that hope to the world, you and I have to live into that hope. We need to encourage one another in that hope. Because when life gets hard, when trials come, when the wind blows really hard, when the storms of life come, when there's doubt and there's uncertainty in our lives, we need to be reminded and we need to gather around one another and we need to hold one another up in that hope. That's so important. We need to experience that hope in a deeper and more robust way. Day after day, month after month, year after year, we grow into that hope and our confidence in that hope, and our confidence in the One who gives it grows. But we need each other to do that. Do you know that? And if we're going to experience that hope to the point where we can dispense it to the world, we we need each other. We need to support one another. We need to experience that hope, and we need to experience in community so that as a community, we can dispense it to our community outside of the church and to our world. Then we can begin to live into what what our mission is to bring Christ's hope, His healing and wholeness to our community and to our world. But it's got to start here with you and me. It's got to start with the person on our right and our left 
the person in front of us and the person behind us. That's where it all begins, that, that we would proclaim that hope together, that we would live into that hope together, that we would strengthen one another in that hope, that we might be resolute in that hope. Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Now, this was written to a group of believers who were facing many challenges. Some of them were thinking, you know what, this is too hard, this is too difficult. We're going to turn away and go back to our old way of living, okay? This is the context. And the author of Hebrews says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he, who's he? God, who promised is faithful. He, God, who promised is faithful. And we have God's promises in His Word. And we can read God's promises. And by the Holy Spirit, we are able to, to understand and these promises come alive in our heart, in our life, and we hold on to them by the certainty of what God has given us. His promises are certain. His promises are true. And God activates the promises in His Word, in our hearts, in our lives, through His Holy Spirit. For He, God, who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to, what? that we may spur one another on towards love and good need, good deeds. You know that in, in the original language, that, that word spur literally means what it says. What does a spur do when you, when you spur a horse? It irritates it a little bit, doesn't it? To get it going, to get it moving where you want it to go. And that's exactly what that word means. Literally, it means let's irritate one another. Boy, we're good at that, aren't we? But let's irritate one another for the right reasons, for the good things, right? Let us irritate one another. Let's spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Towards love and good deeds. Towards that, that, that life, the fullness of God through His Holy Spirit in which our lives reflect the very lives, the very character, the priorities of our Savior. Not, catch this, not giving up meeting together. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Gee, isn't that interesting? 2,000 years ago, people were like us. Because of the pressures on the outside, because of the disappointment and irritations on the inside. Remember relationships? There's brokenness. And people, they encounter these challenges. They encounter challenges outside in the world. They come into church and, man, there's irritation for the wrong reason in the church. And, and people come to the place and they say, you know what, forget all this. It's not worth it. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It shouldn't be this way. You're right, it shouldn't. And I'm glad you noticed because you're part of the answer of making it different. Okay? 
And in the day that the author of Hebrews was writing, there were those who said, I'm just going to live life on my own for Christ. I'm not going to bother with, with a fellowship, with a community. I don't need that. But you know, the times were so perilous that the author of Hebrews is saying, don't do that. You can't make it out there on your own. And as imperfect as things are in the community of faith, we need each other. Don't give up. Don't give up. Meeting together is a habit of some. Don't do that. You know, that's why we're, we're initiating the, the Bible experience. That's why there's the emphasis on home groups. Because we need to live in community together. We need each other. We need to be together in this, don't we? We need to encourage one another in hope. We need to spur one another into love and good deeds. But we do that in community. We do that together. That's why as we, we talk about hope being a, a mission priority for our church, that it starts right here. That we want to increase opportunities to, to connect. That, that we would live life together more than just on Sunday morning. That we would live life together as a faith community with Christ in the center, that we would share our lives the other six days a week. And home groups are a wonderful way to, to begin that kind of relationship. If you're not in one, if you haven't signed up for one, that, that is a priority for us as we create community because community is an important aspect of hope. Right? That's why we have Super Wednesdays. We have five class offerings that, that there's opportunities to connect. Why? Because we can learn and we can grow in our understanding of, of the hope that we hold on to. And, and we want to encourage one another in that hope. We need to know the source of that hope. And we need to know how to live in that hope. How to walk in that hope. That's why we have Super Wednesdays. If you haven't signed up, what a great opportunity. But these are all ways that we at Community Covenant are trying to encourage ourselves to be hopeful so that we can then dispense hope to those who need it. So we don't give up meeting together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. That we would encourage one another all the more as we look around us and we see that today we are one day closer to Christ's return than we were yesterday. And as we prepare and as we await for the, the fullness, for that, that hope to be fully realized, we need to be encouraging one another more and more and more and more. We need to encourage one another to hold fast unswervingly to that hope. Not to give up. Not to turn away. Not to turn back to the old ways of life because maybe they appeared easier in this difficult time that we're living in. So we, first of all, have to be the ones who are living in that hope, encouraging one another in that hope, 
so we can be dispensers of that hope. And, and we know that God has given us that hope. His Holy Spirit is a down payment. It's a guarantee of, of the fulfillment of all of that and what it means. And we can count on that. And we can be sure. And then in the meantime, we are filled with His Spirit. His Spirit guides and directs, gives new life, is transforming us from the inside out. Man. That's a great promise. And so we need to dispense that hope, don't we? Lori and I were in Portland about a month ago. We were walking down the street, and Lori called my attention to it. There was a business with a, a doorway, it was a, a door, and above it were written these words. Any of you recognize that? If you're familiar with a, an author named Dante, and you've heard of Dante's Inferno, he, uh, he writes that these are the words that are written over the, the, the gates or the doorway to hell. Let me translate it for you. It says, Abandon all hope, you who enter here. Abandon all hope, you who enter here. What, what was this place? It was a bar. Uh, what you would call in a euphemistic way, a gentleman's club. And that was above the doorway. Wow. Wow. Where's the hope? Where's it going to come from? What's God's plan to dispense that hope? If not through you and me, then where? See, this is on the sidewalk in the streets of downtown Portland. But in reality, this is written in a lot of other places. If we just take the time and look and see. And above the doorway of this church, it should say, embrace the hope, all you that enter here. Embrace God's hope, all you that enter here. Because we're to be different. Peter again says it this way. 1 Peter 3.15 But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Revere Him as Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer. Now, how can I give an answer Right? I, I know about the hope. That's a living hope. That hope is in me. But I want to be able to share that. I want to know more about that. Again, Wednesday night. Home groups are all ways that we can learn more and, and have a, a fuller understanding of that hope and, and then how to dispense it to others. But, but Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Are you ready? Always be ready to give an answer. Always be ready to give an answer. Of course, Peter is writing this to people who are living in a world full of distress. Christians who are being persecuted. Things aren't going well. 
And yet he says, in the midst of all of this, be ready because people are going to ask. They're going to want to know. That presupposes they want to know because our lives are different. Because they see something written on us that's different than on that rock on mile high. I love this quote. Hope is hearing the melody of the future. Do you hear it? The Scripture plays a beautiful melody of the future. Hope is hearing the melody of the future and faith is to dance to that. I want to show you another slide. That's a picture that was taken here uh, earlier this year. And you can notice the clouds and yet in the, in the middle of the clouds there's a, a break in the clouds. And do you see what's coming down through that? That's light, isn't it? And metaphorically speaking, that's hope. That in the, the, the difficulty, in the, the, the clouds that represent storms and challenges and adversity and light, there, there's a big hole right in the middle. And out of it comes this beam of light. And you know, that, that really to me speaks of hope. That's our hope. That's representative of the hope that we have in Christ. That's the hope that we need to be ready to share. That's the hope that I'd want to share with that person who wrote on the rocks on mile high, I need to dedicate my life to God. I want to close with this slide. Don't go back to the other slide. Sam, thank you. With this slide, I want to close with that. And as you're looking at this slide, I want you to hear these words from Sarah Young in Jesus Today. And and what she's really saying is that this is what she believes the Lord is speaking to her. Okay? My eyes are on those whose hope is in my unfailing love. To enjoy abundant life, it is essential for you to have hope. However, many people indulge in false hopes and find themselves increasingly disillusioned as the years go by. So I urge you to choose well the object of your hope. The best choice is my unfailing love. From the time you first trusted me as Savior, nothing including death, life, things present, or things to come can separate you from this love. When you follow my divine guidelines, you can enjoy the peace of my presence. I am everywhere, and I see everything, but my eyes are especially on those who are putting their hope in me. Such people are ever so precious to me as I watch over them vigilantly. This does not mean that I shield them from all adversity. It means I bless them with my nearness in good times, in hard times, and at all times. So persevere in placing your hope in my perfect love. Look up to me. Look up to me in the midst of your moments for my eyes 
are indeed on you. Maybe you know about that hope. Maybe that hope lives in you. But you need to be encouraged in that hope today. Our prayer team is in the back. Kim and Alan Cannamore are there. They're ready to pray with you. At any time in the remainder of the service, I encourage you to go back. Maybe be prayed for. Maybe you need to pray for someone who needs that hope. Kim and Alan are ready. Anytime during the rest of the service or after. Maybe you know about Jesus. Maybe you've heard about Him. Maybe you've heard people talk about the hope that He gives, but you've never invited Him in, into your life. You've never asked the God of hope to forgive you of your sins, to give you new life, that you might live into the fullness of all God intends and that, and that eternal hope that's our inheritance now and in the future. If you've not done that, if you've never trusted the God of hope, if you've never had a life-changing encounter with His Son, Jesus Christ, today's the day to do that. Again, I encourage you to go back to the cross. Kim and Al would love to pray with you. After the service, I'd love to pray with you. Pastor Tyler, Janelle, we'd all love to pray with you. But know that that hope is ready and available for you today. And as the worship team comes forward, let's pray together. Father, we thank You that You are the God of all hope. And Lord, we thank You that Your hope is certain. It's true. That You who promise are faithful. Father, today as a congregation, would You renew our hope? Would You remind us of that? Would You help us to, to spur one another, to irritate one another on to love and good deeds that are, are, are based in the foundation of the hope that comes through You and Your Son, Jesus Christ? Father, we ask that You would stir in our hearts the Holy Spirit. That the promises of Your Scripture would come alive. That we would hold on to them. And, and that we would recognize Your great love for us. That even, Father, when we turn our eyes from You, even when we can't hold on to You, Your eyes never leave us and Your grip upon our lives is certain and sure. Thank You, Father. And finally, Father, we pray that as we grow in that hope that we would fulfill the mission of this church, that we would bring Christ's hope to those around us. Open our eyes, Lord. Give us the eyes and the heart of Jesus that we may respond to those who are reaching out to the only sure and certain thing that can save them. And that's the hope that You provide. Father, help us to bring Christ's hope, His healing, and wholeness to those in our church, in our community, in our world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.